Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining this next episode of Cisco's Leadership Podcast. My name is Matt Shaver, and I'll be your host as we talk with Rachel Barger, who is the Senior Vice President of the Americas here at Cisco. In this episode, we will hear from Rachel on the importance of being a connector, creating pathways for people to be successful, and pulling out the best in others, as well as much more. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Rachel, thank you for joining the Cisco Leadership Podcast, where we like to bring on guests to learn a little bit more about your leadership journey and lessons that you've learned along the way to teach our audience. It's awesome to be here, Matt. Thanks so much for inviting me, and and thanks so much for doing this. It's a great way to, as you said, just hear from leaders at Cisco and have a bit of a dialogue. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we dive in, I'd love for the audience to get to know you a little bit more. So if you want to start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, I I think of myself as um, an international person. I've had the opportunity to live in Asia. I've lived in Europe. My wife is actually Australian. So um, I spend a a lot of time in Australia and I I have a great love. I'm super proud to be an American and and I have a a background. My family's all in the military, works for the government, but I'm super proud of, of the international time that I've had. Um, I'm a hyper-competitive athlete, so I I, um, played field hockey for many years, was uh, lucky enough to be on the U.S. field hockey team for a stint. Um, I've traveled all over the world for sports. Um, I'm a mad Peloton person, so um, I I love some Robin and some Hannah and and some Emma Lovewell. And um, yeah, I just, and I'm super passionate about people and teams and, and leadership, whether it, it was from, you know, running deployment teams or running a sales organization or, you know, just helping out in the community and leading community efforts or EROs or, or from a sports perspective. So a little bit eclectic and I, I live in Atlanta and I think you're, you're going to be moving there soon. So we'll be neighbors soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you for giving us an overview and we're definitely going to dive into some of that you know, moving through the podcast. So starting with your background with sports and coaching, I mean, what Mm -hmm. has that taught you about your passion for leadership? Yeah, I think I love sports because, um, you know, I think it teaches resiliency because it doesn't, you know, in the course of, I I never played individual sports, like like golf now, but I've, I've always played team sports. And I think through the course of a game or the course of a practice, there are all those, always those moments where you're like, I can't do this, or it's not working, or this isn't happening. And the real power of your own personal resiliency, but the power of team resiliency too. And that's, mm. that's why I've always really loved team sports, is that you can lead, whether you're the captain, whether you're the coach, or whether you're, you're just a player on the field, because you can find those moments and really come together as a team and help people through. And that's really the power of amazing teams is when everyone's playing their role and everyone is, is adding their own special component. I say it from a work perspective as a superpower. If you can find your superpower as a team and get together, you can really achieve amazing things. And that's just from a playing perspective. Um, I was super lucky. I've done a lot of coaching through Olympic development field hockey. I, I was, I'm super proud to have coached at Duke University. And um, we, we were runner up two times for the national championship, but it was still an amazing experience. And why I love that is I think from a coaching perspective, it's how do you get the best out of each and every person out there, whether they're a starter, whether they're on the bench, no matter what, and how do you modify how you are coaching them for what they need? So I would coach a forward 
that that had certain skills and certain background different than another forward that had you know a different emotional state, a different background, different core capabilities. And I think sometimes as leaders, um, there's a lot of power in standardization and there's a lot of power in simplification, but there's also a real sophistication in being able to to customize and configure the way that you interact with each and every person differently to get the best out of them. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we all need to have fairness and equality, but, but we also need to understand everybody's different and everyone's an individual. And I think that was one of the best learnings that I ever had from coaching about how to get the best out of each player on the field and put them together the right way to get the right result. No, thank you very much for, for highlighting that. And, you know, you talked a little bit about just what is your leadership superpower would you say that bringing out the best in others is your superpower or would you say it's something a little bit different maybe? I hope it is. I, I mean, I think that's one of the things in, in working with teams is that I always want, when I leave a team that I've led, I always want those the individuals in the team to have found something new about themselves and feel more confident, more engaged. And I, I also think that um, I really think one of my superpowers is connecting. I actually spend a lot of time in meetings, meeting with individuals in my team, outside of my team, skip levels, skip levels in, in other teams, because I, I really see the role of leaders, especially as you move up your leadership journey, you're a connector. The power mm -hmm. that you bring to your team is by removing roadblocks, but it's also with connecting with them with other people that together, they're going to have a better outcome at the end. And, and so those would be the two things. And I think I've done that for, for my teams over time as well, too. And, you know, I love the concept of connection, right? And building, you know, those connections right now in our hybrid, you know, work world. I mean, what guidance do you have for leaders that are listening or just, you know, anybody for that matter on how to connect in this very new aged working yeah. dynamic, right? Yeah, I think the thing that we miss, so I was just up in a New York City office, uh, Pen One, just this week, which is absolutely amazing, great showcase for hybrid work. And it was great to see people in person again. But there's also a lot, you know, when I walked through the halls in New York, I actually ran into probably about 15 people that I wouldn't normally meet during the day. We have to remember that that's what we lose in a hybrid scenario unless we create space for it. So one of the things that I really believe in as a leader, it's so easy in a hybrid world to back to back to back to back to back. I talk about it with customer leaders at customers all the time, too. I, I work really hard to keep free blocks in my schedule every day so that I can have random connections with people or I can think about and leave time for strategy and, and have my own time instead of just like doing emails and, and continual meetings all the time. But I also, and I'm sure I, I, I drive Sarah a bit crazy, um, my assistant is, you know, people will reach out to me and if they have something interesting to say in a perspective, I'll take the meeting. You know, it doesn't matter who they are, where they are in the organization. It may be a few months out before it can get scheduled. But I think I really encourage that's the water cooler. That's the cafeteria. That's the elevator. That's how you make sure that you keep those connections going. Because if we continue to stay siloed in our own area and only do the purposeful meetings to do our day-to-day -day work, we're going to lose creativity. We're going to lose that you know cross uh, function, innovation, and collaboration. And that's what true leaders bring. They bring people together. They don't just work on their function. That's the hygiene, bringing people together and getting more than, than achieving more than what their one team is capable of doing alone. That's true leadership. Oh, that's, that's excellent. Thanks for talking through that. 
And with just how you're connecting with leaders, I mean, how has that changed over the last three years, right? And just building those connections in such a, you know, remotely scalable environment that we're in. Yeah. How did you change how you early, early on started to lead, right? Yeah, I think um, it was such a weird situation for me, honestly, because I joined Cisco in October of 2020. And as you know, many of you who'll be listening to the podcast know, Cisco, one of the great things about Cisco is we have very long tenured individuals in our team because it's such a great place to work. But what happens is joining in the middle of the pandemic, I, I actually never met anyone except for my boss, Jeff, for the first six months, I think it was, six, oh, seven wow. months. Um, and what a weird situation coming into a brand new company, leading a brand new team that had no history with me. I definitely came from the outside. How do you create connection with people? How do you build bridges when you actually you can't go out to dinner with them? You can't meet with them. So I think the thing that I just say is you have to keep time really easy to try to optimize your schedule and try to sure. say, hey, we're, we're going to have group meetings with all of our direct reports and a once once a week team call or things like that. You're never going to build those connections if you do that. So you have to make time. You have to think, you know, when you and I got on the uh, on the phone just now, I noticed something in your background, right? The around a lacrosse stick that you had behind you. It started a conversation and started to let me get to know you as a person because the you at work is interesting, but the you at work is really, you know, it's built on the foundation of you as a person and the things that mm -hmm. you're going through. And if we don't make time for that discussion about the 360 of that person, if we don't make one-on-one -on -one time to create the, the pathways to have a more open and, and authentic conversation instead of just the work conversation, you really, I don't think, get to that next level of leadership with people. But I will tell you, it's, it's hard. It, it was hard. And it was, I, I had many times where I was like, I don't know if I'm breaking through to the team or if my message and who I am as a person is getting through. And so you really just have to, I think, lean into being authentic um, and trying to make sure that people understand where you come from and who you are. Yeah. I think that that focus speaks a lot about what your leadership focus is. And, you know, I was reading an article that you wrote a couple of years back titled forward together on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. And one of your longstanding mentors said to you, focus on the people and the results will follow. So given your previous comments, I'm just curious if you could elaborate on that a little bit more for the audience. A hundred percent. I think that um, if you do, if you focus on the people and you make sure that your team feels cared for and given the right support and that you have their back, I think that's the most important thing is that as a leader, sometimes you ask your team to do things that they're not certain they can do that are complex, that are challenging, that they may not understand. I mean, we, uh, we've been going through as a sales organization, a couple of those things. And when you work through a change like that, you have to have trust of your team. And if, if they don't believe that you're going to have their back and if things go wrong, you'll still make it okay for them. I think that's a really important, a really important piece of the puzzle. And, you know, very early on in my leadership career, a different mentor of mine told me, you know, now you're a leader, you're responsible for these people's families. You're responsible for them being successful enough so that, that they can bring money home to their family and have a great life. And, and, you know, having that viewpoint about how you take care of people and how you want to connect with people, I think is so important. And then the other thing is some of the best um, 
some of the, the most shining stars that I've worked with through time have been sort of locked in lower levels of an organization potentially. And maybe they weren't the, maybe they had never had the opportunity to shine. Maybe they were an introvert and had all these great ideas, but never had a pathway out. Maybe they weren't the previous leader's cup of tea. Maybe they just needed to be connected with someone else to be, be really powerful. And I think that's really the important part of you've got to get into the team and meet the team and understand and meet those diamonds in the rough and take feedback from your leaders about some of the amazing people in their team and try to bring those people up as well. It, you know, technology is a people business at the end of the day. Sales is a people business. We can have all the fancy systems in the world, but if the team doesn't feel the emotion behind what we're doing, and if the team doesn't understand and trust the pathway, you're never going to achieve the right result. And, you know, I love what you called out too, just about creating an atmosphere of inclusion where everybody's voice is heard. And, you know, sometimes like the squeaky wheel always gets the grease, right? <laughs> That's uh, especially right. In, in a sales atmosphere, right? It's like, what actionable advice do you have for leaders to kind of create that atmosphere where everybody feels like their voice can be heard and people are comfortable kind of sharing what's on their mind? Yeah. So I love leading sales teams um, and I am a seller. I have been throughout my entire career and I'm a seller at heart. But like you said, sometimes the sales environments, there's squeaky wheels out there. Sometimes there are people that that have significantly louder voices than everyone else. And I think that just setting up, it sounds so silly, but setting up ground rules for meetings or just keeping track. Sometimes I, I love post-it notes, right? I always have post-it notes at my desk. And during the course of larger meetings, just keeping track of who has talked and who hasn't and actively calling out on those people that talk. And I, it probably will sound a little you know, corny because it's our own technology, but things like having the ability to have a chat as well as have people raise their hand, as well as have people that, that just are comfortable speaking out, Creating multiple channels for people to be heard um, is incredibly important because some of the best ideas may come from individuals that, for whatever reason, at that day or in general, are more introverted, and are, or maybe are not as confident to put that 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 suggestion out. And how do you bring those people into the discussion? But I really do say set ground rules for meetings. Make sure that you're calling on people. Or, or suggesting to them after the meeting to not make them feel uncomfortable, suggesting for them to use chat feature, get everyone's voice in because that's what real diversity we can talk about, different you know classes of people we can talk about, male and female, we can talk about race, we can talk about culture. But at the end of the day, diversity just, just means differences of opinion. And if we all have groupthink, we're not going to come up with really great solutions. No, that's, that's excellent. Thank you very much for sharing that. And then just taking a quick little bit of a step back, uh, what drew you initially into leadership? And then the second part of that question would be, what advice would you give to yourself early on in that journey? I really probably think it was coaching. I think coaching is the first leadership. And actually, while I was in college, I did a lot of, um, you know, Olympic development pathway coaching. And um, I was coaching little seven, eight, nine-year-old girls when I was, uh, you know, a freshman and a sophomore in, in um, college. And just having the ability to see that you can make a difference for someone. I distinctly remember coaching and, and I was working on a certain um, move with one of the, the young girls. She was very tiny, very small girl. And I saw her do it in a game and we had been working on it. And I remember she did it. And then she looked over at me and, I, and she goes, I did it. And then she had the ball taken away. Right. But <laughs> because she 
stop paying attention. But it was in that moment, it was just such joy that we had, we had identified something to help her. We'd worked on it and then she'd taken it forward. And I think for me, that's what leadership is, is if I can, if I can create pathways for people to be successful and the joy of that person, when they are able to achieve that success, like when I've had people achieve 400% of plan and and have amazing, you know, um, you know, sales years and just the joy and the excitement and the excitement it brings to their family, the impact that you can make on a person as a leader by, by breaking boundaries for them, by encouraging them and challenging them to be the best that they can be. It's, it just totally fills my cup. And that's why I love to do it. Oh, thank you very much. And, you know, you spoke about creating pathways and being able to do that for other people, but what advice would you have to the folks that are listening that are, very new on their journey into leadership and are looking to create that pathway for themselves. Yeah. What advice would you give them? I'd, I'd say maybe two things. You know, I was a leader before I was a leader, before I was a formal leader in business. I was, um, you know, I put myself in situations, no matter what my role was, where I was leading parts of a program, or I was mentoring or coaching individuals within my team, or I was trying to, you know, you know, organize people to achieve things together. All of those things are leadership. I think in a sales environment, in a matrix sales environment, as even as an account executive, you can lead your team of, you know, the specialists and CX and all of those components together. So lean in on those opportunities and really learn from them. Mm -hmm. And when you get your first opportunity to lead, be authentic, be yourself, right? I think, you know, when you if you come in and like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it all by the book, and I'm gonna use you know, you know, the seven steps, or I'm gonna you know use whatever this methodology is. That's not you, and it was you who did all that hard work and influenced those people all the way through your career development process to get to this point. People will sniff it out a mile away if you're not authentic and if you're not in it for them. So at the end of the day, leadership. I really believe in servant leadership. It's about your team. Get close to your team when you first start. Be authentic with them. Talk to them about the things that, you know, uh, from a vulnerability perspective that you're, you know, maybe still working through or the things that you are a bit nervous about, but you need them to lean in with you and that you're going to take care of them on. Work through that with them together. Be authentic and, and you'll you'll be place yourself in a good position. And, you know, uh, that's great. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And a question that I have about creating pathways is about what you've created for yourself, right? You've been very successful in your career. We're very fortunate to have you at Cisco. What are some things that you daily put in your path, maybe from like a habits or ritual standpoint mm. that have led to the success that you've seen so far in your career? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think my biggest habit and the thing that um, it was difficult to come into a brand new company and, and try to make a difference, right? Because there's this whole infrastructure of, of relationships that have existed for, for many years. I think if you only focus on your own team, you will never achieve what you really can from a leadership perspective. So I probably spend over 50% of my time in the day work meeting with teams that are not my own. And I think it's super important, especially in today's hybrid world, that we have to get outside of our silo. And why do I do that? It's because I either need to influence those teams to make things easier for my team. I need to understand those teams better so I have better empathy and I can better direct my team to work with that team. 
or um, I need to work with that team to do something together for the joint benefit of our customers, for example, or, or for our partners. And I really, um, it's super easy because, you know, just like all salespeople, I have a number, right? Mm -hmm. If I focus all my time on that number, it's not going to happen. If I focus on just like, you know, focus on your people, the results will happen. Focus on doing the right work. If you focus on doing the right work, I've been in sales long enough, but it, it's not just sales, it's any leadership. If you focus on the full work that needs to be done and not that one KPI that you've been assigned, it will happen because you've done, you've built the pathways, you've built the foundation, you've built the good work. I could not have progressed um, at Cisco if I wouldn't have had those relationships and those other parts of the business people that were comfortable with me, people that knew me, people that understood that what I was about. It, it's just not possible in a large organization. So I really think focus, focus on others for the benefit of your team so that you can understand them better. That's, that's a great call out. Having a wide scope and lens on the business, I'm sure has led to a lot of problems that you're able to solve that you may not have been aware if you were just looking directly in front of you. So that's great, great actionable advice. And as we're wrapping up, I was curious if there was one thing that we did not cover today that you think is important to share or leave the audience with. You know, I, I think maybe the, the one thing that I'd say is there's a lot when you become a leader, there are a lot of things that you have to do that maybe, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. I love selling. Right. I love negotiating a deal. I love being in the midst of it at the end of the quarter. But honestly, I don't get to do that anymore because that's, you know, if I'm doing that, <laughs> that, that's a real problem because there are a lot of other people in the organization that should be doing that. So you have to find joy in new things, right? And you have to not continue to try to do your old job as you move through leadership. You need to understand what your new job and your new scope is and how to empower your team to do their job. If I continue to negotiate deals, then I've disempowered my whole chain of, of command. And so how are you really mindful? A really good leader, I think, is very mindful about knowing what their scope and swim lane is, as well as also understanding and empowering and encouraging their team to do their scope and not in intermingling the two. And then the last thing I'd say is coaching is critical. All leaders get in the detail a little bit with your team, not as a inspection, but more as a coaching, like every opportunity that you have to review work or to review pipeline or to review an account plan, make sure to make it not an inspection. Make sure to make it a collaborative exercise where you're sharing mm -hmm. ideas, where you're coaching, where you're explaining your situations. There's a real difference in any, whether it's sales or any other type of management, inspection versus coaching, really understand that difference. Collaborative coaching and finding joy in new things. Uh, I think that those are great things to leave with. Well, we've really enjoyed having you on, Rachel. Thank you so much for sharing with us about your life lessons in the realm of leadership. And hey. we're happy to have you here. Well, Matt, thank you again. Thank you so much for doing this podcast because it is. It's every single one of us has a different view. And part of, I think, authentic leadership is hearing from a lot of different leaders about their perspectives and what they've done, and then finding your own pathway to do it your way based on some of those learnings. So opportunities like this and this podcast, it really allows people to do that. So thank you, Matt, for taking the initiative and being a leader in doing that. Absolutely. Thanks again, Rachel. All right. We'll see you later. See ya.